Hello, podcast world. It's uh, Brandon Bickmore, your turbo lover, uh, with the Minds Gym podcast. Uh, here to share some amazing stories and uh, see what we can do to help some humans on this planet uh, that may be struggling with some severe anxiety or depression or any other uh, thoughts or things you're dealing with that uh, we might be able to help by sharing our stories and uh, uh, what we've done to uh, help us clear our minds. Um, when your mind's clear and uh, you're understanding reality um, and you're in a natural, peaceful place, your world shifts and so do the people uh, uh, you surround yourself with. Um, so uh, how do we get clear and learn how to communicate and see others and uh, these stressful events that show up in our life? Um, we're going to discuss some ways today with a beautiful lady named Marianne Nelson. Uh, she's the mother of uh, the very talented dancing with the stars uh, Hollywood duo Julianne and Derek Huff. And uh, she also has several other beautiful children that I've met, uh, uh, one of them, and hopefully uh, in the near future I get to meet them all. Um, so uh, I want to thank Marianne for showing up today and having the courage to share um, some of her uh, life stories and uh, uh, kind of... Uh, let us know what uh, it's like to be the mother of a uh, Hollywood duo. So how's it going today, Marianne? Great. I'm gl glad to be here. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Brandon. You're welcome. So I met Marianne about a year ago. Um, her daughter, Shari, who I go to the gym, same gym she goes to in Draper, Utah, um, uh, was kind enough to uh, recommend her mom come and sit with me for a couple hours and go through a process uh, called the work, which is some worksheets of Byron Katie. And uh, it was an amazing experience. It was actually beautiful. Um, and so I figured she might want to come on the podcast and, and discuss maybe how that one worksheet has changed your life and the way you see um, your reality currently. Well, the biggest thing I think on the worksheet, and I um, need to keep going back and using it, um, which is actually in some ways good that I haven't because now I'm, I miss it. I realize it was helping me uh, become more clear. And the biggest thing was, is it true? You know, the first, the first uh, question is, is when you start thinking about stories that you have in your mind or you're upset about something or someone, uh, the first question you ask is, is it true? And can you prove that it's true? And I have this awesome husband <laughs> that when I go to start talking to him, he'll, he'll remind, he will remind me of that. And so um, I think that's been the biggest um, that has helped me the most is when I ask, is it true? And then I start, you know, when I start making up these stories about things that I, I just have no clue. I really, I mean, I might conjure it up, but I really don't know. Sure. 
Uh, I think that's what we do as human beings on this, on this planet is create story after story after story after story. But uh, that question so powerful. Can you absolutely know that story you're believing is true? You know, I mentioned a lot of people. Can we, Do you really know the sky is blue or is that what we've been conditioned from childhood? Is the sky blue? Well, mom said that. My kindergarten teacher told me that. They taught me that all through elementary, middle school, and high school, but is the sky blue? Well, I don't know. And if you're open to the sky not being blue, it opens your mind up to more possibilities and doesn't, uh, um, you know, kind of cause you to be into a tunnel, and it allows you to see, you know, with a uh, wider, larger, open uh, uh, view of what's really out there. You know, like is a tree a tree? I don't know if it's a tree. Uh, that's what I've been told my whole life, but when I go sit with a tree, it's amazing what you find. There's ants on it. There's life on it. They pr produce oxygen. You know, it's its whole... Um, there's a universe on that tree that exists, but when I just say tree, I limit to myself to my belief system of what a tree actually is. Well, and I'm art, an artist, and that opens that has opened up a, a whole new world for me because you see things differently. Like when you said the sky, I mean, I see pinks and purples, and you just see colors that other people are not aware of. And when you talk about a tree, you know, you see the spaces in between the tree in the shadows and yeah exactly mm -hmm. you know and I'm so grateful for for that mm -hmm. to be able to be an artist and and you look out and you see things differently and so it's a good it's a good comparison in your life when you look at someone and you're you want to you know you start judging and when you know some other things and aware of other things you start seeing them differently sure <laughs> yeah you know it better actually yeah and is that human being that you're looking at if it's one that's possibly an enemy is that really an enemy or just a human being showing you where your mind's off mm-hmm mm -hmm. well and going through these worksheets when I start being nitpicky I start seeing it in myself sure. <laughs> that, that that's that's mm -hmm. something I need to work on it's really in me yeah Usually the people that stress us out the most on the, on the planet, which we don't like to hear, but they're typically a, reflect, a reflection of who we are, but we just don't want to look at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So tell me a bit about you, Marianne. Where'd you grow up? Maybe briefly talk about your parents and how they affected your life, and just a quick, uh, some quick thoughts on your life story. Well, I grew up in Idaho Falls, um, out in the country, and um, just uh, I'm the only girl, so I'm the favorite daughter. <laughs> I have three brothers, and um, I'm the the third. I had two brothers, and then myself, and then my my younger brother. But we, my, I, I guess, what I took from my family is that we, I was taught to work. Uh, we worked, and um, we were janitors. Um, uh, after school, we'd go and clean uh, the doctor's office and the chiropractic office or post office. And um, 
uh, at the, at, when I was younger, my parents danced, actually. They danced together, and my brother and I danced. And as things um, progressed, um, my parents um, couldn't afford certain things. So they, they got really busy in work. And so um, I, I couldn't take my dance lessons and, and that type of thing. And so uh, my dad had a, uh, an ice cream truck, a generated ice cream truck. I mean, had the generator in the back. And so we made, I mean, when other kids were playing during the summer, we were working on the ice cream truck and uh, delivering um, or selling um, uh, Frosties and ice cream sandwiches and banana splits and malts and, and everything. And so um, and we'd get home at night and count the change, you know, and uh, all these quarters and, and dimes and nickels and everything. And then we'd go to the fair, and we'd be at the fair and doing that. And, and then we'd get to have a little break, and we'd go and play, you know, and come back and work on the ice cream truck. But in, on all that, and we were also, I would say, the first Taco Bell <laughs> because uh, we'd, Mom had a trailer. We had a trailer and parked it at the grocery store. I mean, we did a lot of things you couldn't do now. And, um, and we'd sell tacos. Mom just made the best taco sauce and, and uh, shred the lettuce. And I remember being there and selling tacos. And then she'd let me go, and I'd go roller skating and come back and and, and that and my dad made cement deer and we were we had a, a paint store and I worked at the paint store and it just seemed like I actually had learned to have a joy of work it was joyful actually and so when I started raising my children um, to go outside and plant flowers was a lot of fun that was a, f- a fun thing so uh, I guess what I took from my parents was the value of work and not just work, but actually enjoying it while you're working. And uh, and it's interesting, too, because as I've gotten older, I look back at my life and see things more positive, where years ago I made up a bunch of stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I saw it as kind of negative. But now I look at it and like, oh, I was out in the country, and I lived across from... A farm, and we go play in the haystacks, and go talk to the cows, and play in the cornfields, and ride motorcycles. You know, so it was a very fun-loving, free life. But I never realized that till now, because I, I, because I was focused on, oh, I'm out in the country. I don't have any girlfriends. I'm not in a neighborhood. You know, I was focusing on all this that I didn't have instead of enjoying what I did have. <laughs> and that's what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, then when we can kind of clear our lenses, look back on history, you had a beautiful life. I did. I did. And I've just, I've just come from um, my family, my, my, well, my mom, my mom and dad. They're at the assisted living center. My mom just turned 90. And, um, and what is really interesting is that a few years ago, she, my dad thought she was going to die. And she, he bought this cat thinking he'd be alone. And um, they moved into this assisted living center, and she has all these people around her uh, to connect with, to be friends with, and to socialize with. And then the cat it ended up liking my mom, you know, and being. um, And my mom doesn't like animals. Mm. (laughs) That's what's funny. But anyway, she came back to life. 
Mm-hmm. And it and what she I think taught me in this is that connection to people. And when I was just there, I interviewed a woman named Susie, and she was telling me about how she ended up in, um, you know, her she was a sixth of eight children, and her mother ended up in an insane asylum, and then they all went to um, an orphanage. But as she was telling me her story. I just had so much compassion that people have so many hardships and so many stories that they've lived through. And I asked her, how did she get through it? It's uh, because she kind of made up her own little stories and she would tell her siblings uh, stories. And she was, she just was very positive, you know, and hopeful. And um, um, she, I guess she just looked at things differently. And that's, I guess, what got her through. Well, part of her journey, mm-hmm. you know what it takes to get us to be kind, loving, and honest human beings. Sometimes we got to, you know, go through some battles and struggles and obstacles, and it sure makes for beautiful people when they come out on the other side. Well, and to relate with my kids, um, when Derek and Julianne went to London, uh, it was during a divorce. The uh, You know, I, uh, we, I got divorced, and... It seemed like such a terrible thing then, and like feeling like you were blowing up your family. And yet, if you ask Derek and Julianne, they, and they went through some uh, some hardships, you know, and being separated. I mean, they wanted to go to London and all these opportunities and things, but while they were there, it was hard. It'd be hard separated um, from their siblings and and. Um, just some of the things that they went through. They said that it really actually developed strength mm-hmm. in them and the hardships actually develop strength in them yeah i'm sure um i believe what julianne was there for five years and derek was there for about 10 years yes i can't imagine as a parent sending my kids across the country to london england i think julianne was 10 and derek was 13 yes i oh it's devastating i could imagine um, I the the biggest thing that kept me going is that I I grew up feeling very dominated over and controlled. Mm-hmm. Love my parents, but that was like a generational thing too. And you know what? I'm grateful for that now because because of that, it made me sway to um, I love free having free agency, and that was so huge for me. That core that I wanted that for my children, that I wanted them to um, make their own decisions. I wanted them to be uh, not afraid. I grew up so fearful, and I did not want that for them. And uh, uh, I wanted them uh, to have their own free agency, and that was so important. And in fact, it was so important that they, all of them are so, not not afraid <laughs> to go travel and do all these things and jump out of planes and swim with the sharks and the whales in the ocean <laughs> that um that that actually i saw for a minute there i felt like i'd lost them because see they're they're just so um out there going and living their life mm-hmm. you know instead of um oh mom you know i need you you know sure. <laughs> and stuff so so but when they were over in london at such an early age um i'd get on the phone i'm i i would always ask are you happy 
Hmm. Are you doing what you want to do? Are you happy? Yes, mom. Well, you know, you can always come back. You're, you know, you're, we're here for you and whatever. And then I get off the phone and cry, you know, and then I cry. I'd go to bed crying and wake up crying. I mean, it was devastating. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm with also my husband's children. So there was a lot of guilt. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what am I doing here you know, with all these children? And so I feel guilty. And now my kids, they're doing other, they're gone. And my, I, my whole life was centered around my children. Yeah. So it was, it was very difficult. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, interesting to think about as you, you did your best to instill, you know, no fear into your kids. And some parents are so fearful and worried about their kids that they'll instill fear in their kids without even knowing. So mm-hmm. it's, it's beautiful that you allowed them to be, which I think is the best thing a parent can do is to allow your kids to be free. Because when you're guiding and pushing them and you know putting your story on them of who you think they ought to be, um, uh, it, it seems to not work out most of the time. But it's nice that nice that you allowed them to be. And with that, do you? That was their decision to go at ten and thirteen. Yes. They're like, this is what we want to do, mom. Yes, yes, you all. Yes and no. I mean, um, uh, real what real what I had heard back was that it really was a way to get them away from me, um, by my my ex, my my spouse, and uh, but again. Um, it turned about, it turned, it was best for everyone involved, really. You know, it was a way to kind of get back, I, you know, to hurt, to hurt me. And, um, and it did. <laughs> it was devastating. Uh, but again, in looking back now, it's, it was a blessing. It was a, it was a true blessing. And, um, uh, I actually, I just recently talked to Julianne, and um, it took us all on a journey for them to, to be themselves, I think, for me to find myself, too. And um, uh, then it, I think, brought us back in a stronger way of healing. There was a healing there. There was a, a compassion. Um, there was just... Um, you know, they, they had judged me differently, too. And uh, in the circle of things, then they came back, then they thought, well, they thought that mom cried a lot. I cried, and so they thought I was weak. And mm-hmm. and um, and so, because um, you're kind of taught to bury your feelings. Sure. And I'd wear mine on my sleeve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so through this big circle of events and journey, They've come back and said, oh, mom, actually, we see you really strong. And they start validating some of these things. And and a a bunch of healing took place. And it's actually been very beautiful. Um, The sweet, very sweet, the sweetness. Hmm. (laughs) I love it. Did uh, Julianne and Derek, I wonder if they cried when they hung up the phone Um, in London? Well, the, where they were um, it was a very, well, okay, I come from a very, I think, soft place. 
and actually I don't believe that my children arose to the to where their capacity to be if they if I would have been around them too much because I was too soft mm-hmm. like all Derek would have to do is come to me and say mom I have a tummy ache yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, okay well stay home you know <laughs> so their their coach in London very tough just mm-hmm. kind of the opposite yeah. so she's like you know unless you're running a fever you know you're you're going to school you're dancing mm-hmm. I mean their their schedule was very rigorous sure and Julianne, young, at 10 years old, she took on this responsibility to take care of the boys, which was Derek and then the coach's son, and uh, get them, you know, get on the train and, you know, find your way. And I mean, it was tough sure. <laughs> and cold and, you know, and rainy and stuff. And then they get home and then uh, eat and then go practice from seven until 11 o'clock at night. Wow. And sometimes they felt like maybe they missed their, some of their childhood. Um, but in, when you think about it, it's like, no, they missed, you know, sleeping overs and getting in trouble and mm-hmm. <laughs> some sure. things that can happen, you know, right. <laughs> you know, but uh, I mean, they had, yeah, just a bunch of experiences there. And it was, um, she had to, Julianne had to be, really tough Mm -hmm. and strong during those years and actually has come back around and and kind of found the little girl in her that um and connected reconnected with herself in that sweet little girl that had Mm. to kind of grow up so fast sure yeah it's all part of her journey i -hmm. don't know if we missed anything other than for running a story that shoulda woulda coulda right but that never helps well no because i would feel guilty Sure. That guild, and then I had a, a people say, oh, "How could you send your kids away and do that?" Mm-hmm. You know, and I would think, you know, and if you get that in your mind, you're just feeling terrible. And then I'd have other people say, "How could you not?" Absolutely. <laughs> they had this opportunity and and stuff, and you know, and they, you know, they were told, uh, or um, some of the people they they stayed with told others that you know they were um foster children and you know some mean things sure. that were sad that were not weren't, weren't true mm-hmm. i never give up my children yeah. <laughs> sure. and stuff so um so what i've learned is um i think uh, i learned forgiveness yeah is that hurt sure hurt a lot because then i felt like i had lost my children i mean mm-hmm. i'm their mother and that hurt a lot but it came back, you know, it just came back around again. Sure. My son, Derek, uh, so kind. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Let it flow. Crying's healthy. So, um, like I said, I think the separation was so difficult and that coming back together is so sweet. Yeah. This is um, so sweet. Yeah. You know, and then the, and then and, and you, I see the people in their lives. You know, it really does take a, a village. <laughs> you hear that, and I mean, you know, I couldn't do everything, and um, you know, and, and I see it in my children now. You know, um, how they want control, <laughs> kind of over their their children. And um, 
I, you know, that's where I said, you know, you need, you need a village. You need good, you know, different people that they can connect to or relate to. I mean, it's like you, Brandon. I mean, I really connected to you, you know, and, um, and, um, I mean, I left my second husband <laughs> for six months. Um, and then I came I, and I came to you and we did this worksheet together and I realized that I was so focused on what everybody else thought around me and then you know in the divorce and they didn't li- they didn't like my second husband my kids and people around me parents and and everything and that I let it affect me instead of going in to me and yeah. saying what do I what do I want you know and the and my even Derek asked me, "How come you're with Aaron?" I said, "Cause he's kind to me." Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's wonderful. I'm bouncing around. <laughs> Lovely experience. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just all about. I mean, that's why we're. Uh, you know, I started this podcast is you know to help people find themselves. You know, if you're worried about what everybody else is saying and doing and thinking, and and your focus is there, uh, your focus has is outside of yourself you know the only person that can find the truth and the love and all the answers is is the human being you look at in the mirror every day you have all the answers you've got all the wisdom in the world and it's just a matter of tapping into it you know and how do we get to that point well the way i get there is i ask questions every day you know use the worksheets um byron katie calls it inquiry and you just ask questions if you're struggling with something on this planet you're not seeing it clearly so if you ask enough questions, the truth will come out. And the truth is always kinder than, uh, than what we're, the perception that we're putting onto reality. And man, when you can find truth and kindness in everything, no matter what it is, and I've sat with human beings that have been through things I can't even imagine, and, and what comes out on the other side is nothing but heaven. Mm. So it's just so fun to sit with people and hear their minds and see how they operate and then get them to shift right in front of your face. You can, I've watched a woman lose 20 years right in front of me. I mean, she just started glowing in a matter of a 90 minute conversation. So just to see human beings live change, it's, it's why we're here. Mm-hmm. Serve others, serve ourselves, but you gotta make sure you're taking care of number one, because if you're not healthy and taking care of you, it's hard to really be of service in you know, the, the proper way for another human being. But man, when you're taking care of yourself, the whole world benefits, especially the human being you're sitting in front of. Yes. So yes. that's lovely. Well, and you doubt, you get doubting yourself, you know. Um, and, and, you know, all the, you, when you think about all the programming, you know, and all the different beliefs and everything that you've, you know, carried with you for so many years and even, even generational, like, in your DNA, sure, <laughs> that's yeah. come through, mm-hmm. and so, the I mean to have a worksheet to ask questions. Uh, my husband always says the quality of the question is always the function of the quality. No, the quality of the answer is always the function of the quality of the question. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And then not to doubt yourself. Sure. Because you just get in your head, and that's where all these stories come in. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. Yeah keys getting out of your head and and getting into your heart and then you know how do we go about that right takes work yes most human beings don't want to work that hard on this planet to clear their mind they're out 
working eight to five, running kids around, making dinner, Mm -hmm. doing this, going to church, getting to practice. And, you know, when do you take an hour or two or a half hour a day just to be with yourself, sit with yourself, read a book, you know, question your thoughts, you know, talk to a human being that you've never met in your entire life. Um, Sit with a neighbor, hear their mind and, and really literally listen to them, you know, without interruption. It's it's beautiful what you'll find if, if you can just slow down mm-hmm. and give yourself time to think and, and process. And, you know, I think there's more than one way out of suffering on this planet. But, uh, you know, the one that I found that seems the simplest and the easiest is, is definitely doing these worksheets. The work that Byron Katie came up with, it's just like a fast track. You can go from major chaos and struggle and severe suffering to like heaven in in a matter of 90 minutes to two hours Mm. it is important too as you mentioned earlier brandon i need to do these more often and Mm -hmm. it's been a while and whatever but the key thing for me too is to make sure somebody's there holding holding you accountable to that worksheet so if you you know use always do them with an experienced facilitator i recommend because otherwise you'll cheat and your ego will bounce around the worksheet you can't find the answers because you're not willing to sit there long enough and your ego doesn't want you to find the truth it'll run you all around the map and so having somebody sit with you and hold you to your your truth that's that's a huge key part of the process also mm-hmm so um, tell me a bit about, I, I, it'd be fun to talk to uh, Julianne and Derek about uh, uh, their experience in London. So maybe I'll get the opportunity to, to ask them about that. That's pretty uh, fearless mm-hmm. to move across the country at 10 and 13 years old. But mm-hmm. um, that'll be fun to talk about. But um, tell me a little bit about your other children. I've met Shari. Um, tell me a bit about her and then maybe fill me in on the other ones just so the uh, world out there um, can hear about well, all your kids. Yes. Shari, Shari is like, was like my right-hand man. She was the oldest and um, just always helped me with the kids and um, very dynamic. I mean, she just came into this world with a lot of energy and she'd be sitting in the crib you know, um, late at night, just uh, rocking because <laughs> she couldn't go to sleep. So her little mind was just going all the time and cr- just super creative. So she was just born that way. And she's, you never had to ask her to uh, do her homework. Um, she just uh, self-motivated. So she came that way. I just really believe that. And I, and so to me, I believe that, that she was a blessing uh, in my life to help me. And because uh, at, at a time, um, you know, I wish I'd have known these things <laughs> back then because I ended up uh, probably in my stories, in my own little bubble of hell, you know, and end up with Epstein-Barr and sick and, and all these things. And, uh, and she was, Shari was just my, my right-hand woman. And um, she's 11 years older than um, Julianne. So Julianne thinks she has two moms. <laughs> Shari's her go-to. She loves her Shari. And um, and that. So she's just very dynamic. I mean, she's uh, a dancer herself. She 
danced at uh, the Ballet West in, uh, at, um, in Utah here. And, um, oh, she was at Tuacon. Uh, she, I think she danced to a con when she was pregnant with her first baby, uh, up until she was like six months. And um, she has six children, and oh. she's um, just just a real dynamic person. And you met her through here. She teaches uh, yoga yeah. and other things, and um, and she loves to travel. Again, not afraid. Just loves mm-hmm. to travel. Just has this great. This great energy. Yeah, she's a go-getter. I watch her at the gym, and she teaches one, two, three classes a day at times of all sorts of different fitness classes, and she never stops. She's there at 5.30 in the morning, then she's back at 9.30, and mm-hmm. I keep asking her when she's going to slow down, but I don't think she's quite ready to yet. <laughs> Let me ask you a quick question before you go into your other kids. Uh, let's talk about the the Epstein bar and the sickness. What do you think caused all that? Well, I had had a miscarriage between Derek and Julianne, and this so Julianne was my sixth pre- pregnancy, and I just believe that I was just becoming worn out. <laughs> I think being up all night with kids and sickness and and. Um, I think being, you know, just physically uh, kind of worn out. I was tired. But also, I also lived in a perfection place myself. And just wanting, placed a lot of um, pressure on myself to do, to be, to try to be perfect. And, you know, at that time, uh, being a Mormon wife and uh, wanting to uh, make sure my children all were doing the right thing, looking, looking good, you know, going to all their lessons, preparing the right food. I mean, I was extremely uh, health conscious. Uh, you know, grind the uh, wheat, make, make the bread, uh, which I don't regret. You know, now because uh, we're all my kids are all health conscious that way. Uh, but just I my my one of my priorities was to make sure that they all ate very well and healthy and uh, I mean I didn't have sugar in the house had honey and that type of thing but you keep at you you know you add one more child to the mix and you have six children and you're trying to be everything to everyone and also going to church and making sure that you know you know your lessons are prepared and you're you know you're in young women's you're in your Relief Society presidency and primary and you're running kids to lessons and you know, it just became very overwhelming. And um, I remember, you know, I, and I was so sick with Julianne. And then trying to also take care of, you know, all the kids and then running them to the lessons. I remember eating an Arby's uh, so that I could drive to, to dance lessons and so I could throw up. And then I would uh, eat another Arby's after dance lesson so that I could have the strength to drive home so I could throw up. <laughs> so those were some those were some rough times back then. But um, I think if I was if I knew some things now then that I know now, I, I'd have been just a little bit nicer to myself. Sure. I'd have taken some more time to just not be um, in this perfection mode, yeah. you know. Yeah, you wonder what uh, 
what we're doing at times when you kind of start to understand how to take care of yourself a little better you can realize that every story even being perfect's a story being a great mom's a story mm-hmm. uh, going to church and and what type of individual you need to look like to go to church you gotta have a dress on look pretty at home mm-hmm. you know you mentioned earlier you know, you know we discussed outside of the podcast about how your husband always wanted you to look good look pretty uh, all that stuff is exhausting because mm-hmm. you're trying to hold up an identity that uh, isn't true and it it wears it, it it'll wear on your soul it did yeah it did I got to a point where I didn't want to be around I mean I got down and was depressed and um, I'm, I'm just trying to think what turned it I think it was um, one of my kids I think Julianne or one of the kids brought me um, uh, paper and they had colored on it this little I don't even remember I just remember the feeling and I remember thinking you know what I want to be here for my kids yeah you know and um, that's when I just shifted something shifted lovely yeah that was uh, maybe and I don't know everything but God in action right well I'll you know what I will tell you mm. it just came to me I was literally I didn't want to I didn't want to live anymore and I remember um, Shari, um, you know, I, my every bone on my body hurt. And I remember her helping me to the bathtub, the bathtub. And that, you know, and all those that time it stressed her out. And uh, but I remember taking a shower. And at the time, I mean, I really believed in, uh, you know, Mormon. Well, Jesus Christ. Sure. And so in the shower, um, and I had never told anyone this except for my kids. And um, I was in the shower, and I felt overwhelmed that Jesus was there, and he told me, he said, I am that I am. And I am in you, and you're in me, and no matter what you do, wow. you're, you, you'll be okay. You know I mean? It was like he took this pressure off, like... You know, it's it's okay. That's what shifted. That's yeah. what shifted. And because at that time, I remember one of my children bringing in some little drawing, cute little drawing. And um, but that was the shift was when I had that experience in the shower, and and it was I am that I am, and you are in me. I'm in you, and no matter what happens, everything's going to be okay. Wow, yeah, it's a powerful experience. It was very powerful. That's beautiful. I love that thought, too, because, you know, we've all been conditioned in a religion, and we've got God on a pedestal and Jesus on a pedestal and, you know, whoever your maker that uh, you believe exists for you. But I, I, if you break it all down, uh, I have a hard time finding that they're in any different than you and I. You know, when I look at Jesus and the story I've been told about Jesus— I see a beautiful human being that didn't believe his stories. You know, forgive them, Father, for they not know what they do. He was just a beautiful man, mm-hmm. you know, and he went through experiences, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. It took him probably 15 or 20 or 25 or 30 years to get to the point where he understand that human beings get confused. They don't always know what they're doing. They're acting out of their religion, how they were conditioned, how they see the planet, what their mom and dad and and teachers and you know religious 
you know, affiliates taught them. And, you know, he, he was just a little bit more clear on seeing reality. And, and I think he is in us or God is in us, whatever it may be. I, I don't put him on a pedestal. I think we're all equal. So when I talk to you, I, I feel like I'm talking to God. Oh, see, I feel the same way. Because at that time, like I said, that was the image that I had in growing up in Mormon. And that, that's why I believe that it was Christ that I felt like was there. But as I, what I feel now, that I just feel, I say source. Mm-hmm. And sure. that I believe that we are, that it's in us. Sure. And then Derek said something. It was that I am that I am, which means um, it's here. Sure. We're, we're part of the source. We're, sure. we're, we're is equal, just the way you explained it. It was beautiful the way you explained it. Um, but at that particular time, in my belief system, that's what I That's where you were where I, wa- I was yeah. but it was such a it was such a, an epiphany mm-hmm. and it was it, it took pressure off sure <laughs> what a neat experience and to understand that you were going through uh, you know a crisis that you believed raising kids trying to live up to this human being that you knew wasn't you and when your mind gets confused and you start to lose who you are you know, I believe, um, you know, when your mind's at unease, your body shows up with disease. Mm-hmm. So when your mind's clear, your body's usually pretty clear. But the only way your body knows to let you know that your mind's off is to get sick. And so I think that's a powerful lesson in, you know, the, the more you can clear your mind, the better your body feels. So I think the mind-body correlation is huge. I think mind creates everything. Mm-hmm. So the clearer your mind is, the clearer your body is. But mm-hmm. when you're, you know, struggling or disease shows up or, you know, every time I sit and talk with human beings about, you know, they've got, you know, met with a gal a few months ago that went through cancer and whatever. And I'm like, what was going on in your life when that showed up? And she's like, Brandon, I was in hell. Well, yeah, when you're in hell in your mind and your mind's at unease, it's typically your body only knows to show you or break you down to get you to shift. It's got to show you some major disease until you have a powerful, you know. It was like, like an awakening. Yeah, an awakening of some type. You don't know how to shift. Like, what does it take to shift? You got to sit with somebody or does somebody show up and get you to shift? Uh, it's so well, do it's you all part think of the process. That maybe... We don't have to go to that process. Like, if we knew these things beforehand, we, we could prevent some of the suffering. Well, I don't know if I believe that. What what I believe is, I know from like one to five, I can't remember having any problems, and so I think it's almost impossible to not be conditioned into this planet. So when my mom and dad and neighbors and church said the sky's blue and you go to church and if you don't go to church and if you lie you go to hell if you mm-hmm. cheat you go to hell mm-hmm. and I start believing all these stories that's when I started this self beat up but I also think that's necessary to go through these trials and tribulations like I absolutely believe a crisis on this planet is necessary to go back and find that little five-year-old four-year-old two-year-old whoever it may be you know I, I think it's it's uh, impossible not to suffer because you live in this world and, and we are human beings. 
So, but once you can understand the suffering, there's. And it's like, oh, oh, I needed that so I could get to the more, um, so I could transform. Sure. So I could shift. So I shift. Get to a better place on this planet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we all have equal wisdom. We were all born with, with wisdom. You know, little kids are honest. They say what's on their mind. You know, they, they, they move so gracefully. They're not future. They're not present. They're just in front of that toy or that TV or they're talking to their little friend. I watch my brother's little boy that's he's going with two and four. And, and just to watch them move and interact, like, that's who I want to be. Mm-hmm. But I lost that in being conditioned from five to 47. Mm-hmm. And I want to get back to that place. And how do I get there is... I got to drop the stories, you know, when I sit here and meet with human beings, I only want to see you for who you are, not all the stories that I've been told about you or that I've seen mm-hmm. in you, mm-hmm. past experience I've had with you, which I've only, you know, been with you once before, but, you know, we do this with all these other humans on the planet where we want to, you know, murder them in our minds and they're liars and they're terrible and they're cheats and they steal and but man, when you can meet him without a story, every time you're meeting God. But when you meet him with a story, you're meeting the devil. And you create all that because you're the director of your movie that you produce every single day the second you get out of bed. So mm-hmm. whatever you're seeing is what you're creating. Pe- mm-hmm. Hard for some people to hear, but... I totally agree. It's uh, And now it's just doing it and practicing you know, it. Doing it and practice <laughs> it and learning how to see reality clearly is, is it's a chore. But it's for me, it's worth it. It's like a must do. I mean, it becomes a must. You know, when you said earlier that you needed to go to yoga because mm-hmm. of your back. Sure. Something that you made it a priority. And by going through all of this, it's like it's just going to become a must where yeah. I get up in the morning or go through some of these worksheets. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. And there's lots of stuff you can do, you know, like I read every day meditate yoga exercise eat well i mean it's you know there's several things that i do to try to keep myself sane and i go backwards too you know i get lazy and forget to to, you know to exercise my mind Mm -hmm. that's why we call it the mind's gym like what are you doing with your mind we work our bodies every day but how many people spend an hour or two at the the mind gym rarely Mm -hmm. doesn't Mm -hmm. happen on this planet but when it does uh, your life can be beautiful. Mm-hmm. So tell me a bit more about your other kids. So um, we spoke about Shari a bit. Yes. Who's next? Uh, Maribeth. Uh, Maribeth, we just call the unicorn. Um, she always says um, things are a sign, you know, like just getting a right parking spot. <laughs> She'll say, oh, I, I pictured me getting the right, you know, parking spot. And um, she just just glorifies in so much um she just thinks so many things are a sign like she was on the phone with me she lives in nashville and she was driving and she said she started laughing and she says oh mom mom she says you can't believe it just a bunch of birds just flew up right in front of my windshield and they're just that's just so beautiful it's just a sign it's gonna be a beautiful day (laughs) she's like that constantly Hmm. she's aware yeah, she's very much aware. She's very uh, in number oriented, you know, like when she sees eleven eleven, or, you know, and um, uh, she's just a, a beautiful spirit. Um, 
when she was younger at nine o'clock at night Maribeth would be gone and she would go to bed and she loved her room clean she loves her own space you know and then right now she um well the last three years she's put on these little uh retreats in Nashville for women and um you know, we, we go and she, she we do little facials and self-care and um, um, uh, these vision boards. And, you know, and she, she's very active and loves to be outdoors, too. She just loves out, the outdoors. And again, she's fearless. <laughs> she had me <laughs> slide down. Um, uh, what is that? Um, oh, zip line? A zip line, yes. And then drop into the water and... You know, I mean, she's just fearless, and she just gets people to do things, you know, that uh, gets them out of their comfort zone and gets them laughing, and it's fun. She's just a fun person to be around. So, and then um, my third daughter's Catherine, and she is also just, I guess the one word would be Lucille Ball. Mm. She just... um, just makes you smile and she's she's just real she's very real she does speak her mind (laughs) she uh she's been punished i think for speaking her mind um and so i think believe i believe it makes her doubt herself uh she's i think out of all the children the most um naturally talented i think school came she just just bright she's just bright and smart and uh, just we all we called her face of America. This just she has these a big mouth with these beautiful lips and these big eyes. When she was born, we th- thought she looked like Tweety Bird, you know. Mm. <laughs> just this adorable daughter, and um, and again, which breaks my heart. I, it's sad for me, which I'm learning that not to be not to you know feel bad about it. That's her journey. But I think through all of her life experiences of, um, that it's clouded who she is. Yeah. She's lost herself. Sure. But only to find herself, mm-hmm. maybe hopefully down the road. Yeah. You know, because yeah. she is a beautiful human being and doesn't realize it right now. Yeah. It's what we do. It's part of her journey, right? I'm sure she's going through some humps in the road and some obstacles and some... Mm-hmm maybe some midlife crisis that I think are essential for uh, growth Mm -hmm. and definitely to find who you are and what you really want on this planet and she must uh, she must be due to deal with some heartache right Mm -hmm. now how do we know that because she is Mm -hmm. it's reality you know Mm reality is always kinder than than the story that we put on it. So there's a process there taking place with Catherine, I'm sure, and she's going to come out on the other side, mm-hmm. and she'll be a better, more loving, more kind human being and a, and, a, and a beautiful lady that's learned to take care of herself. But it takes years to figure that out. You know, It took me 43 years before I started uh, figuring out what I really want, what makes me happy, and what makes me tick, and I still, you know, I still struggle every day. I'm mm-hmm. a human being, but... Boy, my life's a lot brighter than it used to be, you know. I, I, I was in the same place you were when after you had Julianne or struggling and wondered if you wanted to exist here any longer on this planet. And so we all get to that point, but what do we do with it, you know? And 
there's tools. You know, I'd love to sit with Catherine. Um, there's a whole nother world out there, but there's also a timing and an evolution to everything. And, and uh, hopefully the timing's right one day, and I'd love to sit with her. And if not, she'll, she'll find her way. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I think this is, uh, is so beautiful. Uh, that's what's so beautiful about this is when you are going through a crisis, you know, in a process that you could say, wow, this is for my good. Mm-hmm. What am I? What am I learning here? What do I need to get to or learn instead of, um, you know, feeling hopeless? Yeah. You know, that's why I think this is so good. Yeah. Because now I, you know, when I when I get frustrated or, or worry about my kids, I could say, oh, it's a process. Yeah. <laughs> See, I can be I'm actually maybe joyful in it. Mm-hmm. In in it. Yeah. Yeah. Did I? Um, I can't remember. It's been a year or so ago when you and I last met, but did we talk about the three types of business? Oh yes. Do you remember that? That's no. your. There's only three kinds. It's yeah. um, God's business, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Can't do much about that. Mm, That's uh, like the I elements and the sure. weather. Weather, and accidents, death, life. And then, uh, and then your business. Your business, yeah. And then others' business. Yeah, other people's business. So. When we sit and contemplate that, Catherine's your daughter, beautiful, going through some hard times, you know, struggling to find herself. Is that Catherine's business or your business? That's Catherine's business. (laughs) Yeah. So it's nice to know when you get in somebody else's business and you're worried about them and that's your focus every day, well, you've lost yourself. And how can you be there for Catherine when you're worrying about Catherine, so now we got Catherine that's worrying, and we got Marianne that's worrying. Well, mm. well, well who's going to be there healthy for Catherine? Not you, if you're in Catherine's business, um, mm. in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Yes, is it is it is it okay to show up, take phone calls, let her know you're there, but when it's taking over the majority of your day and you're out of your natural state of being, which is peaceful and kind and loving, and, and you've got the monkey mind going about your daughter, it's really hard to be there um, healthily for her if mm-hmm. you're not first taking care of you. So it's really nice to know that planet's just doing its thing, and if I just take care of me and stay out of everybody else's business, my life becomes way simpler, mm-hmm. way simpler. And Byron Katie stresses that, like, man, you just got to stay in your own business. Mm-hmm. You know, your kids are your kids, but also they're on a journey. And if you stick your foot or you stick your nose in their journey, it's going to cost them uh, part of the process of learning who they are. You know, mm-hmm. it's earth school here. You know, she's learning about her, and that's kind of what we're sent down here to do, I believe, is to find ourselves. And if you get in there and make it too much your business, you you could cost her the lesson. Mm-hmm. And so allowing them to be like you allowed Julianne and Derek to just be, let yes. them go on that journey. Mm-hmm. They'll figure it out. You know, and not that you don't make recommendations. Hey, I've got a friend. I'd love to sit with you. It might change your whole world. And they might say yes. They might say no. Well, if they say no, it's it's not their time. Mm-hmm. That there's a sweetness to the timing of everything. You know, when you showed up at my house, you were ready. Mm-hmm. You wanted to shift. You wanted to see a, a different uh, world that you were, cr- 
you know, currently experiencing. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's just a one of the most powerful thoughts that I've learned from being with Byron Katie and going to as many seminars as hers I have. But boy, if you stay in your own business, life's simple. Well, and that's what I want to get back to. Um, again, it's been good for me. That I've learned a lot by watching others and, and aware of that, that I'm realizing um, that's what I do. And when, when I see it in others, and it's like, oh, I need to just, like you said, stay in my own business. I mean, I just came back from seeing my mom and dad for, at the assisted living center. My mom just turned 90. And I have felt really guilty. I'm their only daughter. And I felt I have felt like that I should be there, you know, and I, I think family members around thinks that I think that I should be there too. <laughs> and but she went to this living center and she's just come alive and there's other there's all these people that she can socialize with and and it just t- kind of took the pressure off me. But personally, it made me just realize, no, she e- either way or whatever, she's going to be okay. Sure. I got to go back to what I was told. You know, everything is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a process. You know, we're all, we all are going to, you know, get older and pass away. And, um, and you know, that was one of my biggest fears growing up was losing my parents. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that's why this is it's it's becoming more and more peaceful that it's just a process sure and do we ever lose them i spoke to you about that earlier like you know all your everything's imagination you're Mm -hmm. imagining that you're sitting here speaking to me and you can see me in your mind's eye or wherever you're seeing me it's another debate but you know do you really ever lose them you know you're you're sitting here doing a podcast with me your mother's in idaho Mm-hmm. Well, you can see her in your mind. Mm-hmm. So is she dead? Mm-mm. She's still there. And mm-hmm. even when she does pass on and move on to the uh, her next journey, you can still see her. All you got to do is think about her. Mm-hmm. She'll show up in your mind. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. when you can understand that, that that makes death a little bit sweeter. You know, like mm-hmm. hey, I can think about him. Can you not touch him and feel him and hug him and mm-hmm. maybe not, but but it's still imagination that that you've created that's in your mind. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a beautiful. It is. It's peaceful. Thought, yeah. And, and, it's, and it's more, it's like, it's more, ex- it's like almost exciting. It's like, oh, good. Do you get to go have another adventure? Yeah. <laughs> lucky you. And yeah. do you need to be there for your mother? No. No. Does she need you? Well, she thinks she does. Yeah, well, but <laughs> I'm saying, does she need you? Is no, she okay? She's okay. She's having fact, fun. She's great. Right. Yes. She's playing games. Mm-hmm. She's made new friends. Mm hmm. So does she need you? Mm-mm. Right now, does she need you? No. How do we know? Because you're here talking to me, and she's in Idaho Falls in a care facility. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't need you. Mm-mm. Just like your kids don't need you. Exactly. But the story is, we believe the world needs us, but the only person we need is ourself. Yes. Ooh, that's good. Mm. Yes. Because, see, we've been you taught that that's selfish, you know, and that, so... But again, I, I, I really, I, I can't explain it, but I feel it. Because the, there's compassion in that. Because mm-hmm. we th- I think we've really defined things dif- uh, negatively. The words, you know, we can say one word and it might come across negative, but it actually can be very positive. Mm. So. Yeah. Selfish, yes. self-love, 
is a better term that mm-hmm. I like to use, or self-care is even a better term that sounds more kinder. But what you realize is, is that self-care and taking care of you, the world benefits. When you're happy, the people around you can sense your aura and your energy, and they essentially can feel it and shift and become happy. But when you're miserable, not taking care of you, you're not very fun or exciting to be around. Mm-hmm. I still love to be around you and sit with you and walk you through why you're upset, but there's an energy there. So self-care is so important mm-hmm. to be able to be in service to others, but we get it wrong mm-hmm. as human beings. Backward. Yeah. <laughs> so it's this, this is an unlearning process. Yes. You know, everything you've ever learned on this planet you'll find out wasn't act- actually true. Yes. There's a better way mm-hmm. than, than we've been taught. And yet the learning of it was almost necessary, right? Sure. So we had to learn it, be programmed, and all these things to take into a point where you're broken back down again mm-hmm. to be built up better. Yeah. It's like going to boot camp. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh-huh. it's, p- it's part of the journey. <laughs> So let's see, Catherine. Is there anybody else? We got Shari, Maribeth, Catherine, and, and then uh, that's and Derek, and Derek and uh-huh. Julian, and Julian. So, so we covered them all. Mm-hmm. Good. Mm-hmm. How do they all get along as siblings? They get along really well. In fact, I think the hard part is being away from each other because there is some kind of a synergy when they all get together. Um, Maribeth explained it that it's like um, different magic acts. And then when you get bring them all together, that it's like a, an explosion. <laughs> and so I think for us, I think the hard part is is being away from each other because when we all get together, it's quite fun. It's really actually a lot of fun because um, we're I, maybe it's because we're all so much alike or we run on a different on a, a certain energy. Because when we get together and we're partying, we love to have people join us, you know, and it's just so natural. Like Maribeth, we were in uh, Cabo uh, just having a girl's trip with, the, with uh, the girls and myself, and we went to a restaurant. And literally, Maribeth got the whole restaurant up. They're, they're dancing and we're singing, and she just, she just loves to do that. And I just find that when we're around, th- there you go. It's when you're really being yourself, People want to gravitate to that. Yeah. They want that to be that energy. Sure. And it feels good. So I think, I think the hard part for us is that um, we just love to be around each other. And so when we're not, we make up stories. Sure. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> that are, that don't serve us well. Right. <laughs> and that's what the ego is so good at creating stories and stories and stories to. Mm-hmm to take us away from ourselves, but also at the same time I think the ego's trying to get you back to yourself so it brings up a scary story something that's fearful or frightful and, and might scare the hell out of you but then it also wants you to deal with it because once you deal with it the story's gone you know it wants you to question that fearful thought so it'll keep showing you fearful thought fearful thought fearful thought fearful thought and you're like okay I got to sit down and dive into this one. Where's this thought coming from? What's causing it? Mm-hmm. What experience happened into my life to bring this fearful thought up? Go back to that experience or that conversation, sit in it, 
you know, I do a worksheet on it, write it down and, and see what comes out of it. And then the thought's gone because you realized what you were believing was your perception of what happened, never actually what really happened. And then you, you, you come, it's complete bliss. You understand what actually took place, not what you thought took place. And then you can let go of the story and move on to the next oh, fearful see. thought. So that, that's so good because that's just there to help. It's telling you to deal with it. It is, but we, we <laughs> lots of people say the ego's the devil. Mm-hmm. right this mm-hmm. little bugger that drives you crazy all day long but if you break it down and you sit in it and you have ask enough questions every time i have a thought that's stressful or fearful i'm afraid of i believe it's something that my soul wants me to deal with mm-hmm. it's not just bugging me to bug me it wants my soul to look at it like mm-hmm. hey look at this i'm sick of worrying about this i'm sick of dealing with it will you please dive into this mm-hmm. spend two hours and get to the root of the problem and see what actually took place and then, you know, mm-hmm. you can move on from that fearful thought, mm-hmm. you know, kind of your experience with Catherine that you're currently dealing with. If you dove into that and your ego wants you to deal with that and, and see what's going on clearly in that experience, but you're just running stories about it mm-hmm. and none of those stories are true. Mm-hmm. They can't be. So once you sit in it and find out, hey, what's going on here, you'll... Here again, it's a, you, you, it's a reflection of what's going on in your mind, not necessarily what's going on with Catherine. Yeah, because, well. It's interesting. It's very interesting. I mean, I'm so, I'm so wanting to get more involved yeah. and understand more so yeah. that I can. Because I have, I have a few questions. It just, there you go. It's just not uh, going away. It just keeps coming up. <laughs> Wants so you to deal with it, and, 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 and you keep it. pushing it down, pushing mm-hmm. it down, pushing it down, pushing it down. It's out of fear. Yeah, out of fear of what you'll find mm-hmm. or what's going to show up, mm-hmm. and all you're going to find is love, and you're scared. Mm-hmm. And you'll find out that human beings struggle with love. Mm-hmm. That's all you're going to find if you get to the bottom of that is love, and you're scared to go there. Mm-hmm. You're afraid. Mm-hmm. So when did love become scary? Well, because it you feel, I think, vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You, well, anyway, this myself. Sure. The reason why I think I'm having this, this incident right now is that uh, if I open myself up, I'm going to feel vulnerable. Um, uh, what if what they these people are telling me isn't true? Mm-hmm. And uh, they're persuading me. You know, and then it affects my uh, my relationship with someone else. And what if I, s- like, encourage, um, you know, I encourage them to talk to someone, and they're and then 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 they hurt them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I I I just go on with this big story. Sure. <laughs> so, you know, and yet, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I need to do a worksheet. Yeah. And all you're doing is scale- <laughs> scaring the hell out of yourself in the meantime. Uh-huh. And it's been going on for how long? Yeah. About five years. Yeah. And you could move on from that in mm-hmm. probably a couple hours if you really wanted to get down and mm-hmm. and work hard. So, mm-hmm. yeah, But, yeah, it's it's all part of the process. We all have work to do. It's just letting you know that, Marianne, you got a little bit more work. It wants you to be happy. Mm-hmm little ego it's it's doing its best to push your buttons but 
but when you understand it, you know how to question it. Most people on the planet don't know what to do with it. Exactly. It's just spinning, 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 spinning. And mm-hmm. that's why people, you know, take their own lives. Yes. And see, and if you have the tools, that's what yeah. I was saying earlier, like with for Kath, well, for er- any of us, that if as long as we have the tools, then we can say, oh, you know, it gives you your hope. Or you're saying, Wh- whatever I'm going through, I'm going to learn something from here. I'm honoring mm-hmm. it. I'm, I'm recognizing it. I'm aware of it. Let's bring it up. Let's solve it. Yes. You know, well, that's the, um, that's the get her done in me. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And you've, you've Marianne just, you know, in, in your journey and, and, you know, being a lady that's been through plenty of trials on this planet, like you've come into a different awareness even to be able to see, okay, I'm going through with this process again. What's it showing me? There's human beings on this planet that don't even know how to answer, ask that question. They mm-hmm. just know they're going through hell. Mm-hmm. And they know, you know, is there any light at the end of the tunnel? Is there any hope? Mm-hmm. Well, there's there's light at the end of the tunnel, I'm here to tell you. And, um, and realizing that, knowing that that, there is an answer and there is a tool to get you out of suffering. Mm-hmm. That's what's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So every time I suffer, I know I'm believing a story that's not true and I just haven't been willing to dive in and question it. But then every time I do. And you're just ready to break through and find yeah. like something new and sure. exciting and some more information. And yeah, that, yeah. It's like the what is it this this storm before the rain or yeah. the rain the what is it the warm before <laughs> the storm <laughs> right yes yeah. so, so there is a way that's like I say that's why we I started this podcast and hoping this gets out to the world and you know we can save a few lives or change some change some lives mm-hmm. improve some lives and it doesn't matter what your story is it could be. I don't want to be on this planet anymore. It could be I'm I'm upset with my neighbor. I'm mad at my spouse mm-hmm. because of what he or she said. And then is that actually what he or she said? Is that actually what they meant? Is it just your perception of what came out that day in the kitchen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you break it all down. You go back to that event and see what actually took place. Question it all. And you're like, oh, that wasn't not even what I thought transpired in that conversation. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. where I've I've seen like innocent um, questions or just innocent, yeah, answers, and others are defensive, yeah, and they're like in attack mode, and I can see that that comes from things they haven't dealt with, yeah, because whatever was said was just totally so innocent and pure, sure, and stuff. So that's why I just think this is a beautiful work. Yeah. I want to get more involved into yeah. it. It's the Byron Katie says, I think when you go back and question your thoughts is what you find is what you thought happened didn't. And that in itself is forgiveness. Because when you're mad at a human being because you saw what you thought happened and then you go back and question what actually happened, what you thought happened never happened. And immediately you're like, oh my gosh, and I've been beating this human being up for the last two years over this one conversation we had. Mm -hmm. And I just figured out what actually took place and it wasn't what I thought, what I perceived. Mm -hmm. I need to make a phone call and make some 
amends. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I thought this transpired in that conversation. I've been holding back. I've shut down. I don't call you. I don't text you. I don't want to go to lunch with you because what you said was this, and I realized that's not what you meant. Mm-hmm. It's just the perception I put on it. Then mm. that is compassion. It's compassion. For it's them love. and yourself. Yeah. Forgiveness is, is <gasps> never about the other human being. It's only about you. Mm. But we think, I'm not going to forgive them. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense. You, they, they stole from me. You know, that was dishonest. Mm-hmm. Well, when you can let them go, you're only letting yourself go. Mm-hmm. And I'm worried about letting me go. Mm-hmm. Whatever they do, they do. That's their business. But mm-hmm. I want to be free. That's why I forgive, mm-hmm. to take care of me. Mm-hmm. So mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Hey, listeners, just want to thank you for listening to part one of Marianne's podcast and her journey to this point. She's a beautiful soul. I hope you enjoyed the Mind Gym podcast today. Part two of her story and her journey will be posted next week. And then here's one exercise uh, I'm leaving with you guys today or this week that you can do to strengthen and open and understand your mind. My thought is upon wakening tomorrow, name 10 things you're thankful for and list why you are thankful for each of those items. Make sure you do this on a piece of paper and write your thoughts down. Don't just think of the thoughts and see where it takes you. Explore the journey. And my final thought, remember you can only save yourself and you're the creator of your own reality. Once you completely understand this and find your truth, your entire world shifts. Truly want to thank you for your support. If you could please like and share this with at least two friends, we can all assist in changing the world. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day to listen to my lovely guest and me. You are pure love at your core, and you can change the world, and I thank you. As I love to say, we're twins, and we are all equals. Now go and save your lovely self. If you have any questions or would like a one-on-one life-changing discussion, you can contact me on Instagram at yourturbolover, email me at themindsgym at gmail.com, or private message me on Facebook at Brandon Bickmore. If you have any guests you'd like me to interview, please send me your referral. Peace and love to you all. Now go question and exercise your lovely mind. Thank you.